It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Beautiful, sunny Saturday morning. We're heading towards 11 o'clock. Open line right out of the gate here if you'd like to join us, 356-9397. Mr. Tate, how are you? Good morning, good morning. Ready to get after it today? Yes, sir. Another show with no sports, but plenty of stuff. Oh, no, uh, no games to Baseball, talk about. Basketball, football, what, stuff everywhere, and we just don't know exactly what's going on anywhere, do we? We've got stuff, but no games. <laughs> but uh, that's carried us for about two months now. Yeah, so yeah. We'll it's see. surprising how, much, how many uh, interesting uh, issues we have with uh, no games. Players will be starting to come back in the next few days at campuses across the country, including here in Champaign-Urbana. They're going to come back in phases and football and basketball first. And it'll be a while before they get their hands on a football or a basketball, but they'll at least be starting to come back and uh, meet with the coaches and uh, get with the strength and conditioning guys and get a feel for what's going on. Yeah, I thought uh, it was interesting to hear uh, Hanson talk about He's just concerned about having enough being, being allowed to have enough time in the pre, in the uh, workout area because at home he can work out for hours, whereas you know he might be limited to thirty minutes here or thirty minutes there. Uh, here, I, I don't know that. I, I just say he's concerned about it. I'm not saying he, that he won't be able to find that time. Well, there's a lot of things that are different yep. than, than they were two months ago, and of course, no spring football was one of those, and uh, just trying to find out what the new norm is as, as universities across the country uh, map out plans for uh, games, whether they'll start on time, whether they'll be fans or not. It's, it's looking a little more optimistic in oh, some, so. some fronts. For college football, it is. For the NBA, it is. Major League Baseball, I'm not so sure that uh, they won't fool around and mess that up, but well, we'll have to wait and see It is that. the... Uh, the tendency in all negotiations is that you don't really come to a decision, a, fi- a final decision, until the last minute anyway. So no matter what they say now, we don't know. I mean, I don't know what the deadline is, but obviously they could push it back into June, uh, and maybe they won't be able to start on the 4th of July. But they're, they, they're going to need a month to prepare. They've got to get the pitchers ready, and and so it'll, it'll take a month of uh, – preliminary of workouts to, to get uh, to get to the first game I got a question for you would it take two months to get basketball players ready to play because that's what they're talking about they're talking about resuming in some form or fashion 20 or 22 teams if not all 30 I think all 30 is not going to happen but if they go 20 to 22 teams they're talking about July 31st so that's two months I don't know why they're now. pushing that back so far Steve it would appear to me that it would not take you that long I wouldn't think so, but <laughs> I, I mean everybody's on the side of caution. So, and and you do have to get players in shape. But I would think you could get in shape 
to play basketball in a month or at least six weeks. Well, especially because it hit, I mean, it's been two months now. I Most guess that, of these guys have been working out. They're not yes. just sitting at home like I am. <laughs> <laughs> and it hasn't been a total off season like it was for baseball. They just have barely gotten into spring training. And yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yep, it'll be uh, interesting. In the meantime, closer to home uh, on the high school level, the Illinois High School Association still uh, putting their plan together to let uh, the high school administration know how they could proceed. We thought there might be something Thursday, then maybe something Friday, and who yeah, knows? Yeah, keep getting any questions about it. Who's going to host the uh, the, big, the uh, high school tournament? Will it be Peoria or will it be Champaign? Yeah. And, and they just push that the meeting back to the point where um, we don't know when the meeting's going to be. Yeah, they got to get this other thing tied down first, I would think, yeah. before that. And uh, they may have to take that vote. To, uh, I know they want to do it in person mm-hmm. with an in-person meeting and, yeah. and make it to the point That's where what they said. Yeah. But they could Zoom it if they have to. Well, listen to you talk about Zooming it. You're... You're a, you're a Zoom pro now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I say. <laughs> 356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like uh, to join us. On the baseball scene, um, you know, we've talked about it before that they were talking about the 4th of July weekend. And if they're going to come to that, they need to come to that decision, agreement, whatever, in the next... Right now. Next week or yes. next handful of yes. days. That's right. If they don't do it, and, and they're not, they're not going to get it done this week. We can tell that, I think, from the negotiations, how far apart they are. But, again, uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, it looks like the NBA is coming to a conclusion, and, and they're going to go forward. I, baseball is, is hung on finances. And I don't know who to get mad at in the baseball well, thing, you, the players or the, the owners of both. Or the millionaires, yeah. which Right. <laughs> exactly right. And the billionaires, many of them, have decided not to pay the minor leaguers. Oh my goodness! They've released 200 minor league players. Now some of them are some are going to play through June, and some of them are going to play through August, but some are not. About half of them are not. It's a, it's about a 50-50 deal. But my goodness, Steve! Imagine 200 minor league players are going to are just released, and now you're only going to have uh, uh, five rounds of the draft, which is 150 players that they're going to uh, draft. This coming month in June, but imagine 200 guys that are just out of luck as far as baseball is concerned. Phone lines are open. Let's uh, take our first call. Eric in Champaign. Hey, you're on the air with us. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I called the show, and I was I was just thinking, you know, the the owners they put forth this ridiculous offer in baseball, which they knew those guys were never going to accept. I think I don't think they want a season. To tell you the truth, I, from what I read, I think they lose more money by playing games without fans than they do otherwise. If they just sit out and say, "Well, we tried, and you know, uh, this is our best," and they didn't accept it, and so be it. I mean, what do, what do you guys think? <laughs> well, I, I think that uh, about sixty percent of the money comes from from uh, the, the TV, and if you play the games, you're going to have that money uh, at least half of a season. So I, I don't. I don't think that by not playing that they'll save money, do you? I saw a number that it was something like $450,000 a game <laughs> that they would lose by playing. Right, because, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, the numbers that they make on concessions and parking, you know, yeah. I mean, forget about the tickets. I'm talking about right. everything else. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And and I, I guess I can see that. I'm like, 
and, and they're not going to pay these guys a penny otherwise, as far as I can tell. I mean, they've got the, the legal maneuvers where they can – that force majeure, is that what it's called, for uh, for the sports leagues? <laughs> they, I think it's on their side, and they don't have to budge. You know, I mean – and then, and then you talk about there's the the 2021 labor agreement. This this could get really ugly, you know, for a long time. Yeah, if they don't play, it's going to get ugly. That's for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, but and then you're talking about the other sports and all that. I, I at what point do you say forget about it? You know, we're going into next year now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, the, the yeah, NBA is just going to go into playoffs. That's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. But, I mean, that's that's the most interesting part, anyway. But oh yeah, and this late. I mean, they played a pretty. You know, they played what three fourths of a season. I, I I should know the number of games, but about it, um, it's twenty. Were they about twenty short? They're about eighteen to twenty short, depending yeah. on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, you they could, got close. You could go right into the playoffs, and they could actually. Everybody has played. Well, I may be wrong on this, but everybody's close within five or six games of playing seventy-two games. So they could one. Uh, Part of their proposal was to have everybody come back and finish playing 72 games. But there's four or five teams that are pretty much out of the playoff race. Mm-hmm. So that they're debating why have them come back at all. Right. But uh, so th- there's two or three different uh, angles there, uh, the least of which is 20 teams. And then there's one for 22 and maybe one for 24. But you know, uh, isn't it interesting how much easier it is to bring now? I say the word easy, that's not a good word, but easier it is to bring back the college teams because they don't have to negotiate money. Uh, right. Whereas it, with all the pro teams, you've got, the, you've got these, uh, these problems of, of trying to reach an agreement on how much the players should be played and how much the owners should lose because <laughs> they're going to lose regardless, lose money this year, but they're all worth so much more that over the last several years. As, as I keep saying, they're playing with house money. The owners are playing with house money. They've, they're loaded, but they don't have any cash flow. And the only way they can get it, I guess, is to borrow against their equity. Well, there you go, guys. Well, uh, no, the last thing I wanted to comment on was the, uh, you know, Illinois keeps coming up with the plans for the uh, students to come back. Now they're talking about testing every single person when they get to campus, I think, and, uh, you know, continuing to test them. So that's, uh, it sounds all positive as far as, you know, we're definitely going to get everybody back here. So um, it looks good to me, at least, for a season happening, but, you know, so. Well, I, I, I don't know about that. I, I don't know how they're going to take care of everybody in terms of all the classroom space. And they're talking, right. you know, they're even talking about maybe having, if you have a, t- a Tuesday, Thursday class, that maybe the Tuesday class would be in person and Thursday class would be uh, online. And the other thing is that students don't want to go to class at 8 and 9 o'clock in the morning. They want to sleep in. Well, you could extend the day of, of the, the classrooms from early in the morning to much later in the afternoon and, and, and in order to use all this, the classroom space that you're going to have to use. But there and is and a, Saturday, and, Saturday and Sunday as well. <laughs> well, that's a thought. I mean, Saturday at least, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, just wanted to chime in, guys. Have hey, a good day. Appreciate it, Eric. Thanks very much for the call. Let's go uh, to another call here before we tell you about uh, our guest lineup and take our first break. Steve in Princeton. Hey, Steve. Yes, maybe it'll come up later in the show, but I don't think it can be ignored what's going on in Minneapolis and how Mm. it affects college campuses, the athletes, uh, and everything. And then I see this morning the National College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. The windows were smashed and memorabilia destroyed. I mean, I think this thing's bigger than uh, 
what people think, and it's got to be a conversation in locker rooms because you got blacks, you got whites, and and everything. So, uh, you know, maybe sports is going to take secondary to this for right now. It may, Coronavirus. I watched CNN for an hour last night, and it was never mentioned. Yeah. All they did was go to all the major cities and protests and everything. Yeah. It's unbelievable. There's no doubt about that. Good point, Steve. Thanks. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number if you'd like to jump in. Here's what we have planned for you besides occasional segments of open line throughout the show. Uh, coming up in about uh, two or three minutes, Eddie Johnson, former Illini basketball player, will join us from Arizona. We'll get his take on uh, the NBA and some other things as well. Get some comments on uh, the passing two weeks ago of Tony Yates. At 9.30, Alex Palczewski from the Illinois football team will check in and talk about uh, his upcoming return to campus. At 9.45, we'll visit with Martin O'Donnell, former Illini All-American guard, who is now, of course, a member of our broadcast network radio team. At 10 o'clock, kicking off the uh, second hour, Will Leach will join us from Atlanta. We'll have an open line at 10.15, and then Scott Ritchie at 10.30 to talk about Illinois basketball, open line about 10.45, and all during this, uh, the phone line will stay open. So stay with us. We'll take our first time out here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk and be back with more in just a moment. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly, with you until 11 o'clock here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. A lot to talk about, and we're going to bring in our first guest with an early wake-up call in Arizona, Eddie Johnson, former Illini basketball star and Illinois Hall of Famer is on the line with us. Good morning, Eddie. How are you? I'm doing well, you guys. guys. How are you doing? We catch you on the way to the golf course. Uh, I will be headed that way in a little bit, without a doubt. Good deal. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about a few things, Eddie. Um, let's start with the NBA and what you think might be happening there. We've, we're hearing a date of maybe of late July, uh, July 31st even, uh, to maybe get the uh, season back going. You're involved uh, as a broadcaster, and uh, what are you hearing on your end? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, obviously the, the league wants to complete the season. And uh, they've never had a season in its history where they did not uh, complete a season. And so uh, a lot of great people have come together in that regard, led by Adam Silver, the owners, uh, GMs, coaches, players. uh, And they're trying to figure out a way how to complete it. And it's not going to be easy, uh, but it's been methodical. Uh, it's, It's been done with the idea of safety in regards to, you know, completing it in one season and one, I mean, in one area of the country and, and keeping them safe in that environment. Uh, obviously no fans uh, will be involved, uh, unfortunately, uh, but this is the best way to be able to complete it. And uh, so uh, it definitely, in my opinion, will be done and the product will be great. I think people will see that it's not all about, you know, having someone watching you. Are fans vitally important? Of course they are. I mean, that's what that's what really, uh, I think, gets you prepared to play. It excites you. It rejuvenates you even during the course of the contest. All those things. But what people are going to see is what they didn't see behind closed doors. When players are in a gym working hard, wanting to get themselves good enough to play in the league, uh, to play sports, uh, the pain that they go through to battle through injury and and try to complete it, they're going to see that drive and that competitive spirit 
without a fan in the stands, but yet TV cameras on these players, and they're going to see tremendous basketball. So uh, different environment, but I think uh, it's going to be exciting to see how they perform. Eddie, this is Lauren. How how long would it take you to get in shape to play at, at, when you were playing? I mean, do you do you need more than a month? Yeah, well, Lauren, the, the, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think once I decided playing basketball in high school uh, and falling in love with it, I was never out of shape. Yeah, it's a, it's a difference. I mean, I, I I can't say I was you know for I mean the 35 years of me playing basketball, I was never out of shape. Now, here's, here's what people need to understand. You can be in shape, but in shape to play basketball uh, at a high level is a little bit different. But to, to recover and get yourself to that level again doesn't take long for a player that has been playing for a long time and is in shape. And, but basketball shape is different. You have to play basketball in order to play this game at a high level, but it doesn't take you long to get it back. Uh, it all depends on how long you've been out and what you've been doing to keep yourself at least in the area uh, when you start to play. So I don't see a huge issue at all. Uh, this is what we were trained to do. And when you value your body, you're going to do all the right things. So I think people are taking that a little bit, you know, I think they're taking it too much at a high level in that regard because those guys will be ready to play. And, and I don't think it's going to be long at all for them to get back. Eddie, why were they able to come to, um, you know, Silver seems to have everything organized and they've come to an agreement without any big fight over fin- finances, whereas baseball's in the middle of a, of a salary uh, uh, war. Why basketball is able to avoid that? Well, you know, I think one reason uh, is because, you know, in basketball, they go, we we went from zero to a lot of times, you know, in today's game, you're going from zero to a million plus. I mean, and once you get drafted, you're in the league. I mean, our rookie compensation is extremely good. And so, it's no battle to get your contract in that regard. It's pretty much set when you get in the league. In baseball, and I'll protect them a little bit on this end, in baseball, that's not the case. I mean, when they get drafted, they have to go to the minor leagues. They have to compete down there before they even get to the show, unless they're a special player. And it's not that many that go directly to the, to the major league. And so they're down there trying to prove themselves. And, and, and so – once they do get to the major league and they do get paid, they're probably, what, five, six, seven years into their career. Well, how many more years they have left? So yeah. I understand why they're fighting. I understand baseball players in their fight. I just think that they can't take it to a level to where it's perceived as being selfish because over 30 to 40 million people in this country have lost their jobs. And no one is going to feel sorry for Mike Trout who has to take a $5 million or $10 million pay cut, and he's still making $9, $10 million. <laughs> Nobody's going to feel sorry for him. And I think that's what baseball players have to understand. Visiting with uh, Eddie Johnson, Illinois Basketball Hall of Famer. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the Illinois basketball family lost uh, Tony Yates, who passed away at the age of 82. And I know he was 
instrumental in your career. Talk a little bit about him, how you first got to know him, and what, in your mind, Eddie Johnson, did Tony mean to the Illinois basketball program? Well, I mean, to me, I mean, I'll just put it to you like this. I mean, Tony Yates got me to Lou Henson, meaning when Tony was recruiting me, I had not met Lou yet. And at that point in time, and you all know this, you're being recruited, you're eliminating people as they go quickly because, like, you know, every university in the country was recruiting me. So I couldn't talk to everybody. So I had to figure out where I wanted to go, what area of the country I wanted to play. And I quickly identified that, and then the race was on between four or five different schools. And Tony was a bridge to Lou. And so because of that, Tony is the reason why I think, you know, you put put it on him that I went to Illinois. Because, you know, once I got to Lou, then I found out that Lou was the most special person that could have ever been a part of my life. And and I thank God that that's how it played out. But uh, Tony Yates was the guy initially, Les, Les Wickey, uh, Mark Kuhn Coons. I mean, those were the guys that were out at Westinghouse looking at games, up in the stands, uh, waiting around for me, having to eat crow to stand there and wait and, and hang around for a little 17-year-old to try to convince him to come to their school. I mean, that's the, that's the dirty part of the job. Even though it's a great job, it's still the humbling part of the job is trying to convince a 17-year-old and fighting other assistant coaches to get, you know, your attention. So Tony Yates was tremendous at it. Uh, he got my attention quickly. Uh, you know, for me, uh, I didn't have a dad in my life. So I was always attaching myself to father figures. And in a sense, I mean, I viewed him as that, an African-American man that I can identify with, uh, telling me all the right things, things that I needed to know, uh, really helped me. And he wasn't the only one. I mean, uh, you know, at Michigan, I mean, I got close to, to Boyce, I think his name was, uh, Bill Frieder, uh, Iowa, Lou Olson. Uh, I, I mean, I, I was getting close to a lot of different people in that regard, but Tony won it over, man. He, I was in a hotel room, uh, and uh, he had called me up, and I said, you know, he said, can you make a decision before you go to Germany? And at that point in time, you know, he didn't know that Magic – and I had started to become kind of close. And Magic was recruiting me. He pretty much had told me he was going to Michigan or Michigan State. And he saw how well I could shoot it, and he was in my ear. I mean, he totally was in my ear. I mean, and the whole time we were in Germany, uh, when we landed back at O'Hare, he and I had a conversation. And I'm going to tell you guys, I was pretty close to following him to Michigan State. And – when I got back home, I talked to my mom and everything. And, and, and so, you know, even though I had committed to Illinois verbally, even before I left, uh, I was wavering. And But yet, Tony Yates was the one that just kept me really focused on coming to Illinois. So he played a huge part. You know, <laughs> excuse me, uh, Eddie. Um, Right before you and, and Mark Smith came in, as, as a, I, I think as, as a pair of forwards that we, we knew were going to play, Illinois recruited Bresnahan and Cobb the year before. They were a year older than you, and uh, they, were, they played an awful lot when they were freshmen, and yet uh, 
you and Smith kind of competed against him. Would, is that fair to say for playing time in those next couple of years? Yeah, and I think that's what really, I think, put me in a place where I could become the player I did. Uh, be, if I had gone to DePaul, uh, especially, I think I would have started as a freshman. Uh, they would have made it every possible way for me to, you know, make it. But I think I might have failed uh, because I didn't need to be handed anything. I had to earn it. And I understood that, and I knew that. I knew that I, even though I was an All-American, I was highly recruited, I was 185 pounds. I knew that I had to get better as a basketball player. My ultimate goal was to was to really, in, in my sense, complete my education and give myself a chance to be successful, whatever it was. And I just felt Illinois was that environment. I knew the competition was going to be there. I played against Bresnahan in, in high school. I knew how good he was. Uh, I knew how good Levi Cobb was. I admired him and followed him. Uh, I mean, he was a shining example of Chicago basketball, Levi and the team, Morgan Park. So I knew all of that. Uh, And I still decided to come because I had confidence in myself. I needed the competition. I wanted to get better. And Lou told me right away, I'm not giving you anything. You're going to have to earn everything you get. And unfortunately, Lou had to deal with the fact that people were trying to get me to transfer uh, after my first year. They were, Mark Aguirre was actually – this is the thing that people, I don't know if they know. Mark Aguirre was going to come to Illinois. Really? Okay. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, he was going to follow me to Illinois. And, but Mark was, was a, had a different mindset. Mark, like, you know, he, had, he was so good, you know, everything was given to him. Everything came easy to him. And he, he he became afraid that if he did, you know, he would have to compete like I had to compete. I mean, he, they were coming down Illinois games all year. I mean, they would get in the car and they would travel down there and I wouldn't play much. And Lou knew this. But Lou wasn't going to – that's why I love him so much. Lou wasn't going to compromise and, 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 and say, okay, Eddie, I'm going to play you. I mean, he's like, Eddie, you got to earn it. I, I, I don't care. You got to earn it. And so, to me, that's why Lou is the greatest coach to ever be at that school. He didn't compromise. In a day and age when college coaches compromise and, and, and it's all about them and they're thinking about what they get and they'll compromise their players, Lou didn't do that. He made me earn it, man. And, and he was hard on me. And he told me I needed to get in the weight room. And I went from 185 to about 220. I showed up as a sophomore, and I was kicking their butt. And Luke came up to me and he said, you know what? He said, you have earned the ability to start and you will start the rest of your career because you've earned it. And I had to go against Bresnahan. I had to go against Levi to go against Ken Ferdinand. And I had to prove to them that I was ready and to go. And to me, that's what got me to the league. I mean, that drive that he instilled in me. And I'll never forget that. That's great stuff, Eddie Johnson. We sure appreciate your time. It was good to talk to you last fall when you were in town for the Hall of Fame uh, get-together, and we look forward to bouncing uh, into you one of these days in the future. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, Eddie, keep it in the fairway. <laughs> oh, yeah, always. That's, that's the easy part, right? <laughs> thanks again, okay. Eddie. We appreciate right, it. Guys. Eddie Thank Johnson you. with us here on Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. This is Steve Kelly along with Lauren Tate with you until 
11 o'clock this morning. From Eddie Johnson, we turn our attention to uh, some Illinois football. Alex Palcheski is on the line with us, Illinois offensive lineman, soon to be a senior offensive lineman for the Fighting Illini. Alex, how are you this morning? Good. How are you? How are you doing? We're good. Uh, Lauren Tate is here as well, and uh, you're getting set to uh, to head back to Champaign-Urbana if you haven't done that already. And uh, uh, give us your thoughts on uh, how the last couple of months have been for you. Yeah, I know. The last couple of months have been really tough just not being able to be around, you know, the boys on the team. Uh, just figuring out different workouts that you can do without a gym. I mean, it's been tough, but I mean, it's great to be back home now. So did you pull some cars or push some trucks or any of that? Oh, both. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be versatile, right? <laughs> be able to, to do yeah. it both ways. But uh, your thoughts about uh, getting back and what that's going to be like, nobody knows. I mean, this is a whole new thing for everybody. But uh, what have you thought about that uh, process as we hope to have the season start on time? Yeah, obviously it's going to be a very, like, tough and complicated situation. But I think at the end of the day, it's worth it. You know, like, just being able to be back on campus, be around your teammates, and just, you know, just be able to work around them, you know. Because, like, you can say what you want. Like, like oh, you you gotta work, you can work out at home, all that. But it's just a different type of thing when you're around your teammates and people that you play with. Alex, this is Lauren. Uh, are, uh, are you on campus now? Yeah, I, I, I just got back yesterday. Okay, now uh, explain what's going to happen in the coming days. I mean, you're going to be tested. You're going to, where are you going to be staying? Where are you going to be eating? Uh, just give us an idea, a day to day, if you can, for the next week or so. Yeah. So, uh, when, once we all get back, we're all going to get a text, and we're going to have all of us get tested. Uh, and once that happens, we're going to be quarantined for three days in one of the uh, freshman dorms here on campus. And once those days are up, then most likely we can get tested again to make sure that no, there's no chance of anyone having us. And then being, and then after that, uh, we're going to be able to be allowed to go back to our dorms, and we're going to work from there. And where where will you be eating in the dorms? Or or a... yeah, most likely, yeah, most likely those. Uh, they haven't really. I'm not sure exactly how the logistics will be, but it'll most likely just be in the dorms. They'll just serve us food or or like send it up to us. And then as far as your workouts are concerned, uh, do you have any idea how long you will be allowed to uh, – you, you're in the first wave, right, of, of players that are back? Uh, yes, I believe so, yeah. And then when you, uh, when you start working out, do you know how long you'll have to work out in the, uh, in the actual uh, – play? you know, in the workout area? So, yeah, it's, we're actually, there's going to be, like, no time, like, restrictions. Like, we're going to have, like, a full hour-and-a-half workout – you know, like, Lou is not going to take it easy on us. And that's what I love. Uh, it's going to be a full workout. It's not going to be no BS. Okay. Um, uh, explain some of the Zoom meetings you've had with Bob McLean, your your line coach. Explain what goes on in those meetings. Yeah, so they've actually been great. So uh, when we did that during spring ball, Coach McLean, he, he knew, like, it was tough, like, it's hard to learn over computer, but he knew, like, we, we now have time. Normally, we don't have time to go over stuff, like, like go into detail. But he decided, okay, I'm going to go over and just teach us just about football, you know, like just learning how to read defenses, how to read how, how, to read how safety's played, just to learn more about football. And so that, that was great for everyone, all the freshmen, just being able to understand it more. 
Visiting with Alex Palczewski, Illinois football player, offensive lineman, heading into his senior year from Mount Prospect, Illinois. He's, uh, by my count, started 36 or so straight games. Yeah, and four straight years. He'll, uh, yep. he'll extend to that uh, streak. But talk a little bit about the uh, offensive line and the fact you got so many veterans there and what a key that might be for this season. Yeah, I know. I'm very excited because uh, for, for this summer and the rest of my time here, I'm going to be living with uh, Blake, the new transfer from Wofford. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, it just has, like, all – Just if you just look from left to right, we got Vidarian, who started, like, almost as many games as me. We got Kendrick Green, just an absolute mauler. D- Doug Kramer, just the grittiest guy you'll ever meet. Blake, I think, is going to be very good. But there's going to be a great competition for that right guard spot and then me. And just a lot of a lot a lot of people who have played a long time. That's one thing they have to make sure that that's what our offense is gonna uh, predicate on is that us dominating the defense every single snap. Well, you've got the quarterback back, of course, and uh, you got a great punter back, and he certainly turned out to be a weapon. Going to need a couple of guys to step up at the running back position. How do you feel the uh, that position is set up? I actually feel that that's one of our deepest positions on the team. Just we ha- we have a lot of guys who do a lot of great things. You know, obviously Mike Epstein's been terrible what's happened, but you know, he's, n- he's never stopped working a day since he's gotten here. You know, I, I don't think I've even seen him eat a single cheat meal since I've been here. Uh, you got you got Rayvon Bonner who just runs with the power of God behind him. Jakari Norwood, Kenyon Sims, uh, Chase Brown. It's just a lot, a lot of dudes who are going to compete, and it's going to be, it's going to be great to see who wins out that spot. If I remember right, you missed your first game due to an injury. Then you've started every game since. What, uh, what's been the key of you playing that long without getting hurt? Uh, just you know, luck. Uh, been able, God's been able to bless me to stay healthy. Uh. But it's just, you know, it's staying healthy and being proactive, not reactive, you know, like knowing like, all right, like in, in the springs, I always do yoga, uh, but just like just staying loose, staying hydrated, because once you feel like something's not good, but most of the time it's too late to fix it, you know, like it's just doing everything that you need to do to maintain your body. Alex, as, as you look back on the season, the, the great upsets over uh... – Wisconsin and Michigan State come back. Those uh, those are terrific. But the, the team slipped in the last three games. Was was there anything you could uh, lay your finger on as to why uh, uh, the uh, you weren't more effective in those last three games against Northwestern Iowa and Cal? Yeah, I mean it was tough. That was that was on the leadership of a team. We should we should have. Uh, I feel like we we might have gone complacent with just getting six wins. Uh, and that was just on the leaders of this team and just to make sure that we, we push the team more and not let that happen this year. So you mentioned yoga. I'm trying to envision <laughs> a 6'6", 300-pounder being loose and limber in yoga. Does it help? Oh, my. It helps amazingly. Like, the thing is, like, you can say what you want. Like, oh, it's, kind of, it's for sissies or whatever. But, like, it gets you going. Like, first of all, like, not even just flexibility-wise, like, if you go to, like, a legit class, like, with a sauna, like, in five minutes, you'll be fully drenched. Like, like you're going through, like, plyos. Like, it's a lot of movement. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's great. It, it opens up your hips, just makes you more flexible, gives you more core. Uh, it, I, I recommend everyone to do it. 
I'd like to ask about classes. Uh, what, where are you toward graduation? Uh, what classes will you be taking this fall? And do uh, you think you'll be uh, in class or are you going to be online? So uh, I'm almost done. I'm on track to graduate in December right now. I just need to take – and the thing is, like, I, I, I finished most of my requirements. I just need credit hours to finish up my degree. So most likely I'll be online this fall. But honestly, like, when it comes to the rest of the students, I have no clue what it's going to be like. So you don't know <laughs> – nobody knows whether they're going to actually be in class, do they? I mean, at this point, uh, are you getting any hints from anybody? Not really. Like, I, I've heard, like, some, like, certain things, like – Classes of like seventy or more students will be online. Like it's going to be like a lot more. Like I feel like the decisions are going to come later on. Like when August sits, when we can see what the state is like saying for the guidelines. I mean, it's going to be tough. Like really, I, I have no idea. What's your deg- degree going to be in? Uh, kinesiology. How do you expect to use that? Uh, so I, I was thinking about just sticking in football. You know, uh, I see what Coach Lou does. And I think that that just looks amazing. You know, like, all the, all the coaches, they help us, to, like, do, develop with football. But, like, when I think about, like, how, how big of a transformation I've made from freshman year to now, like, that's because of the strength coaches. And uh, I think that would be something fun and just a great thing to do. Have you thought about how different it might be on game day? You you do a lot of football activities through the week and practice and everything with no fans. But have you thought of how it might be with uh, if no fans are allowed in on on game day i know i I thought about it just how weird it would be like doing the grange grove walk and just no 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 one there (laughs) uh it'll be something to get adjusted to hey alex good stuff we appreciate your time and uh we'll be talking to you soon i'm sure yeah appreciate you guys thank you for having me thank you you bet see you alex palcheski with us big number 63 along that offensive line he's played guard and tackle throughout uh, his career it is 9.40. We'll take a break. We'll talk some more Illinois football. Martin O'Donnell will join us after this timeout. The phone lines are open if you'd like to jump in on this or any other topic. 356-9397. Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk, back after this. It is 9.45. Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're both with you until 11 o'clock. Today, 356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to join us. By the way, I'm happy to uh, report that the Pella Window Store is open for business regular hours starting on Monday. Uh, Kathy, if you would, would you save that music down for me a little bit? Appreciate that. Um, The regular hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, at the Pella Window Store. Talked to Mike Mary yesterday. They're getting back uh, somewhat to normal. They've been uh, seeing people during these uh, last couple of months by appointment, and you can still make an appointment if 8 to 5 doesn't work for you. You can can make an appointment and visit with them on a Saturday or whatever. But the Pella Window Store, back to regular hours, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, starting on Monday, which will be June 1, and they've been around a long time, almost 50 years, and they do things the right way, all kinds of things to consider when uh, replacing your windows or doors, things like uh, security, comfort, convenience, but uh, these are the folks to talk to. Give them a call or check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. 
just had Alex Palczewski, Illinois offensive lineman, on the phone with us, talking about him being back in town. Martin O'Donnell, former Illinois offensive line All-American and member of our broadcast team, is with us. Good morning, Martin. How are you? I'm doing well, Steve. How are you doing? Good. We just wanted to check up with you and see what uh, your take is on all this. Nobody knows what it's going to look like on September, whatever that is, 4th, when the uh, 3rd or 4th, when Illinois is expected to, to open the season. But uh, how have you been getting along, and uh, what do you think is going to happen? I've been getting along fine. You know, every, just kind of do what you can do. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, it, it certainly seems like there's a lot of positive momentum around, you know, not just football coming back, but a lot of different sports. So, you know, I think obviously the devil's in the details in terms of how they, uh, you know, how they kind of phase things in. I think I think Josh Whitman has a pretty good plan, and, and the athletic department and the university seem to have obviously had a lot of time to plan this out. So, uh, you know, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we get football this fall, and it'll just kind of be uh, it'll be interesting and certainly unique to say the least. Well, you talk about details. Can you imagine what the, what uh, they're going through and what the details would have to look like on this? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I cannot. I mean, it, and you got to have you know conti- contingency plans for contingency plans, um, and trying to work through that. So um, yeah, you know, I think obviously there's a lot of smart, capable, capable people over there, and I, I know they've been consulting a lot with public health officials. Um, so again, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it rolls out, but I think it's certainly a positive step that you know they're having uh, athletes coming back into town to begin training for the season. I don't think anybody in any business, any form of life ever plans for a pandemic, although maybe that changes now. Maybe that uh, we've gone through it. Maybe you've got a battle plan for the next time. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but maybe you do. But it's, it's just been a, an unusual time. You're, uh, besides being a member of the uh, radio broadcast team, and who knows, that might look a little different or sound a little different. Uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But you're also in the banking business with Busey. How's things changed uh, the last couple of months there? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, you know, things have changed a little bit in terms of, you know, people working remotely, but certainly with, you know, different government programs like uh, PPP and, um, and other things being rolled out, there, there's certainly been a lot, uh, a lot to keep us busy. And, you know, I think it's been, uh, it's been really, it's been uh, heartening to see kind of, um, you know, how everybody at Busey's kind of stepped up to, you know, help out our customers. And that's kind of what we've been, you know, really focusing here over the past couple of months. So there's been, there's been plenty to do, and there's kind of a next phase of PPP kicking off here soon in the next week or two. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of work, you know, around that. But uh, a lot of it is just having conversations with, you know, local business owners and customers and, um, you know, just trying to get through all this together. Martin, uh, we've got about, a, you know, two months before the first game. And I want to know, I want to ex- you to explain the difference between getting in shape and getting in full contact football shape. That seems to be a, 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 a real sticking point on they've got to have X number of weeks to prepare with contact. Uh, explain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it is, you know, obviously during the off season, you know, and we'll take spring ball out of it, but, you know, really when you're training, you know, the summer, for example, is it's weightlifting and it's conditioning. And so really you're trying to get, get yourself into pretty good, ba- what I would call just kind of baseline shape in terms of, uh, you know, getting your numbers up in terms of uh, the lifts, you know, 
getting stronger, getting more powerful, getting in good, you know, cardiovascular shape to the, as much as you can. But then, you know, really it's a whole different story because what you're doing is you're really just kind of the, the, your underlying kind of cardiovascular shape and, you know, the strength that you get in the weight room. Those are all things that kind of set you up to get into football shape because football, obviously you're using all kinds of different muscle groups, um, you know, as, and as an anaerobic activity, but it, it's, it's really, you're, you're getting yourself into shape to basically put pads on. I mean, it's even one thing where, you know, it takes your neck a little bit of time to get used to wearing a helmet. I mean, usually guys' necks are sore for the first couple of days. Um, but, you know, really it's about being able to um, strain and exert yourself to the fullest capability, you know, for call it, you know, it's usually about 10 seconds a pop, if that, but to be able to do that, you know, a couple hundred times, which you can do in a practice. So really it's just, and it's it's just different, you know. Your your whole body gets tired again. You're using those muscle groups that you've kind of built up in certain movements, but you're using them in a very different way. Using them all in concert, and really you're hitting people. I mean, you're trying to move one human being from you know point A to point B against their will. I mean, that's what offensive linemen do. So it, it really is a very different thing in terms of just full body exertion. And it takes a couple. It takes you know a little while in order to just kind of get that going. And once you're in football shape. You know, you can maintain it, and then you use some of the underlying, you know, you still do sprints, you still lift, you know, but really kind of you, it does take time to build up into that football shape just because, again, it's pads, and it's really just kind of that full body exertion and then being able to try to concentrate while you're doing that stuff from a mental perspective is, is part of the challenge as well. Uh, they've got a veteran offensive line. Talk about the advantages of playing together more than one year, and in this case with Pauzuski and Lowe and Kramer, they've been together for this will be their fourth year. What are, what are the advantages in terms of coordination and that sort of thing? Yeah, no, I, I think there's there's definitely a, a, a big advantage there, and certainly having the guy in the middle there, Doug Kramer, with a lot of experience as well, helps quite a bit. But you know, offensive line, a lot of it is about chemistry. It's about guys who who get used to playing next to each other, and so sometimes you're not able to get out, um, you know, say something verbally. But if you're playing next to a guy. You know, and you've done so for a couple of years, and in particular now, you know, with Kendrick Green and Vidarian Lowe on the left side of the line, you know, they, they should be seeing things the same way. And so they can make movements and make sure that they're on the same level, you know, and kind of on the same, you know, mental path that, you know, a lot of it, you, it takes time to build up. So I think Illinois is going to benefit from that, certainly along the offensive line. You have four starters returning. You've got to figure out who's going to play that right guard position. But they should be able to take advantage there. You know, and then one thing just kind of at a, a higher level perspective that I, I think could be an advantage for Illinois this season is, you know, you have the same defensive scheme in Lovey Smith's scheme. You have the same offensive scheme in Rod Smith's scheme. You don't have guys trying to learn a new offense or a new, a new defense over Zoom. So, you know, or Skype or whatever they're using. So I think it'll be – I think they can potentially – um, get some efficiencies there and take advantage of the fact that they're not having to learn new playbooks, but now they just got to go out and execute physically. Talking Illinois football with Martin O'Donnell. And uh, as I mentioned with Alex Balcheski, uh, a lot of your work and preparation for football is done, uh, you know, uh, just with teammates around, no fans. Uh, do you have an idea what it might look like if there are less than capacity or even no fans in the stands? No, I mean, I think it'll obviously be different, but, you know, really it'll be, I mean, it'll be kind of more akin to like a, a spring scrimmage or, or something like that, where, you know, a lot of it, obviously the pageantry of college football is one thing that's really appealing to everybody. It's what one of, it's one of the main things that makes, you know, the, the games and competition so fun. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, if you're doing it right and, you know, you're, you're playing in a football game against another team, you should be so dialed in and so focused that you don't necessarily notice the fans. I mean, they're kind of, um, 
uh, they're just kind of an extra piece of the whole thing. So, you know, whether they're able to have fans or not, I think certainly the competition should be there. Um, but it would certainly be, it'll, it'll certainly be strange if that winds up being the case. But, you know, it sure is hard to imagine, you know, them allowing uh, Memorial Stadium to be packed here uh, in a couple of months. Martin, you're not, you haven't been out of school too long. Did you take any online classes when you were in school? Uh, I did. I actually oh, you did? took uh, an online class or two when I was finishing up my master's degree. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to say when I went to school, I didn't even know what they were. <laughs> but, well, you could take classes via correspondence, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Pony Express? Pony <laughs> Express. <laughs> Facts, <laughs> snail mail, all that stuff. What do you see as, uh, just speaking offensively, what are your main concerns about the offensive side of the football for Illinois this year? I, I think principally what I'd really like to see Illinois do better this year is run the football. Uh, last year, I think the passing game showed the ability to hit some big plays, but you know, Illinois wasn't able to really consistently run the football, especially coming off a year when they were able to do it so successfully you know, with Reggie Corbin having a big year in 2018, um, you had Dre Brown back. So, you know, I really want to see them be able to run the football better. I think that veteran offensive line is going to help, but they're going to have to find somebody to really step up, you know, in, in the offensive backfield. You know, Mike Epstein, you know, should be back from injury, so it'll be really great to see him. Hopefully he has uh, a fully healthy year, but they really like Chase Brown. And you got some other guys on the depth chart there that are going to need to step up and are really going to need to be able to make plays in the running game. That, that's what I'd really like to see them do a better job of. Would you rank the Illinois offensive line at the top among the top three or four teams in the Big Ten? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's based on the experience and guys like Palczewski. Talk a little bit about what you've seen from him since we just had him on. He's an yeah. interesting guy. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's really tough anytime you're asking guys to go out there and play on the offensive line as, as true freshmen. And you know, Illinois did that with uh, with Palcho and with Bedarian Lowe, and you know they both responded really well. And so now they're getting to the point where you know they're veterans in their career, and so they're the ones that are starting to give the lumps instead of take them. And so you know I think Palcho's done a really nice job of making himself into an offensive tackle. Uh, you know I think obviously he's I, he, he's kind of, he's probably more of a run blocker than a pass blocker right now. Um, which is pretty normal for college offensive linemen. But, uh, you know, he's a big, strong, powerful guy. He finishes to the whistle. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that I really enjoy watching play. Do you think it's going to be all or nothing with the Big Ten as far as putting football teams on the field? In other words, if somebody in a hot spot uh, is not able to get their guys there, how do you think they'll proceed there? Yeah, I think it should be all or nothing. I do. You know, I think, and I, I think those decisions are going to be made – I mean, I honestly don't know anything about it. I would think those decisions are really going to be made at the conference level. Uh, it'd be really difficult if, if you have a conference and, you know, say only two teams decide they're going to compete. Well, you know, what does that mean? Right. I, I don't know. So I, I, I would think, you know, the conferences that seem to be uh, fairly solid right now, the Big Ten in particular, in terms of being on the same page. And so, you know, my guess is that they'll make the decision as a conference. You know, again, so long as positive trends continue with COVID and, um, cases and things like that. I think they'll make the decision as a conference, uh, you know, really to to resume competition. You know, I think that the, the Big Ten is in good shape to return. I mean, reasonably good. But what what concerns me might be the non-league schedule. You've got UConn on there, which has got all kinds of problems. Bowling Green certainly has got financial problems. I think they'll be able to put things back together. But, you know, it takes two to tango. Uh, and, uh, 
and of course, Illinois State is is the opener, and and from what I hear, they're they're going to make every effort to get get started. And our fourth game is Rutgers, which is in you talk about a hot spot. They're you know they're right, right next to New York, and they're they've got problems there. So I you know I I wonder uh, if there's any problem on the other end in some of these cases. I, we'll find out as we go along, but. Some some like Rutgers aren't going to even start until late June. Uh, mm-hmm. that, I you know I I think I think the Big Ten is pretty solid overall, but I just don't know about those non-league games. I I think we have to wait and see on them. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I think uh, you know, and that game being at Rutgers too, you know, probably adds right. another layer uh, of complication there. But I think um, you know, my my assumption is again, if things continue to progress as, as positively as they have, that you know, they'll find a way to work it. But if it winds up being that you just play conference games, then, then you just play conference games. You know, I think uh, – I, I would think this is just me speaking. I would think certainly if, if Illinois is ready to play football, well, obviously Illinois State's going to be ready to play football. So, you know, while that might not be ideal, I mean, the fact that you got, you know, another university 50 miles down the road yeah. um, that you're going to open up with. And, and I hope that game does happen because I think it'll be a really good game. Well, you know, Bowling so Green definitely needs their season to – to open because they play Ohio State as well as Illinois, and you know that's a big payday for them at Ohio State. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's Martin, appreciate fun. your time. Always good to talk to you, and look forward to seeing you soon. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. You bet. Martin O'Donnell with us, former Illini All-American and member of our radio broadcast team as we hit the 10 o'clock hour, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Illini Pedals, Saturday Sports Talk. Back with hour number two, we'll lead off with Will Leach. When we come back, stay with us. Move along. Will Leach is on the line with us from Georgia. Good morning, Will. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Hope you're all hanging in staying safe. I just assumed you're in Georgia. Are you at home? Oh, yes, yes. I, I, I've been here. Uh, we're, 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 not, uh, we're not crossing any state lines over here. <laughs> we're taking it easy the best we can. Well, I want to start out, let's talk a little bit about uh, baseball and what you think might happen there. We were starting to get a little bit optimistic about uh, certain things, the NBA being one of those, but uh, I think baseball fans are anxious to see what happens. And Laura and I talked uh, in that first hour, not sure who to be mad at, the billionaires or the millionaires. It's certainly a mess. Uh, there's no question about that. You know, I mean, really the fundamental difference between the NBA and the NHL uh, and, and baseball right now is, you know, the NBA players have trust in their commissioner and the people that pay their salaries and the baseball players don't. And uh, we can argue how it got to that or whose fault that is. I think there's, there's cases to be made on both sides. I would argue uh, probably more for the player side myself, but I understand that others might do differently. But either way, they're not even to the point where they're talking yet. You know, I think that's, that's how bad this has gotten is, is you know, the, they, they have not exchanged Baseball, the owners sent their proposal to the players, and the player, uh, and, and that day really was no, there was no formal response uh, for reasons I think are actually understandable. But now the players have sent nothing back to them, and they are running out of time. You know, th- this is an issue that was going to be a big problem anyway at the end of 2021. You know, the CBS fired then. A lot of people that work in baseball and write, and write about baseball, we were already kind of dreading 2021 because we knew kind of how toxic the situation was getting. Uh, the problem is now, uh, because of obviously these kind of unprecedented circumstances, everything's been moved up a year and a half, and they have like a week and a half to figure it out. So uh, uh, I, I think there's, there's some pretty ominous signs right now, to be entirely honest. And what about what's happened to the minor leagues? I mean, I, uh, was it 200 players are basically released this last, uh, last few days? 
Yeah, and you know, and listen, I that, that was uh, that, I think it's pretty clear there's probably not going to be a minor league season, and so in a lot of ways that that was almost an accelerated version of something that generally happens, uh, maybe not to this extent, of a churn over a larger season, right? Like the idea that like a lot of these players will be released on one contract or push down to another league. Like you know, remember the minor leagues are being contracted anyway in many ways, this is going to be a tumultuous year already for the minor leagues. Uh, when you add it in this situation, the fact that there's probably not going to be any minor league season, and there may not be a major league season, uh, to be honest, uh, the, the one of the many complaints that minor league players have had for a long time is that they're not involved in the major league players union, and therefore they have no uh, uh, recourse at all. In fact, I think of a, a lot of the major league players would argue uh, this is why we have a union, because they can't just drop us uh, entirely uh, if uh, if they're not having a season. That's still a lot of that is regular churn, to be honest. Uh, it just happened kind of accelerated in an accelerated time frame. It's not like uh, the Cardinals have suddenly uh, decided to let go of Dylan Carlson. Like a lot of these players are generally people that were kind of organizational churn. They're actually one of the reasons that the uh, draft was going to five uh, to five rounds this year anyway, was kind of to lower some of the number of the players. But certainly, like kind of everything else involved in baseball right now, it looks very bad to be happening at this particular moment. Well, explain something to me. If if I'm going to draft, I'm, I'm a major league baseball operation, and I'm going to draft five rounds of players, uh, but I'm not going to have a minor league season. Well, what do I do with the players that I've just drafted? I mean, how does that work? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, honestly, what, if there's no major league season, what are you going to do with the players you're already <laughs> that are already on your roster? Uh, anyway, you know, I think that uh, – uh, the idea, uh, their idea is that like these guys are still, you know, building to the future. There'll all be be lots of seasons uh, after that. You know, I think that if you look, uh, these guys that are going to be drafted uh, in the first round, first five rounds, they are valuable pieces for what teams are going to be doing. Well, frankly, one of the reasons that they're valuable too is that they're cheap, <laughs> which is another reason that they tend to invest in these guys. They may not play this year, but you know, it, depending on what happens with the major league season and the agreement that comes up. They will still have uh, uh, facilities for them to play at. They might not have teams to put them, put them to play for. A lot of these times, one of the things that baseball has argued about the minor leagues anyway is it's not the most efficient way sometimes, uh, particularly some of those lower levels, to actually get your players in-house and to actually get them to, to get on the major league program. A lot of the smaller teams are far flung. Uh, they, they, they may not have the budget or the health uh, stuff that they'd like to be able to take care of the players. So they're going to have these guys in-house one way or the other and be able to work with them even if there's, there's no teams for them to play. It's kind of interesting. You see uh, baseball is kind of limiting, eliminating their minor league system and and pro basketball is expanding, it seems, <laughs> with the G League and what they've done there in the last few years. And all the op- there's so, so many opportunities for basketball players to play professionally uh, for years, you know, without being in the in the major league, and and it's not the case the other way. I mean, I, I find that very interesting. Yeah, you know, and again, baseball still will have like plenty of minor league teams. They'll have AAA and AA, and you know, a lot of baseball's argument. We'll see if this is correct or not. Is that some of these teams that will no longer be affiliated with major league teams? may still be like they're not making them go out of business uh is that that's their argument so there still will be around there but you know again that's that's it's hard to look at the minor league issue now because it was as it was already going to be created year for the minor league before uh the pandemic happened and i think that brings us really back to the major leagues you know i mean this feels on one hand to be honest everybody has their own views on this I tend to uh, side with the idea that, uh, generally speaking, owners, um, 
Uh, our owners are going to have a down year this year. And therefore, what they're doing is they're going back to players and saying, well, then you need to help off, help offset some of our down years. The players, I would argue quite understandably, are saying, wait, when you actually made so much more money the last three or four years, we couldn't help but notice you didn't just decide, hey, share in the bounty. Here's some extra money. <laughs> like the idea that basically they, they, the owners kind of want the upside of owning a team, but want the players to kind of share in the downside. I think that's a good argument. I actually feel like the, uh, uh, you could make an argument that the owners – uh, uh, first submission to the players was unrealistic and kind of something that they were never going to be able to go for. But frankly, just making these arguments exhaust me because of so many things that are other things that are going on in the world that are more important. And it's frustrating to me that like this thing, this opportunity that's being handed to baseball, the idea of potentially to be able to be back on July 4th and to be able to have, to be the first sport back and to have this moment and have all this money that's, like we can say what we want about how much players uh, money the players should get or how much money the owners should get. There's no games. Nobody gets anything. And the and you know I remember 1994. You remember 1994. I know people that still don't watch baseball because of 1994. To have that happen in the middle of you know 20% unemployment in a pandemic and 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 that people that are desperate for entertainment options, it's difficult to imagine anything more self-destructive than uh, not being able to figure this out financially uh, when, everyone else is, when everyone's struggling so much. We're talking to Will Leach, University of Illinois graduate. Let's turn to college football. You're down in SEC territory. I think most people have an idea what the SEC is going to do, but uh, generally, what do you think uh, the 1st of September is going to look like on the college football landscape? Yeah, they're gonna. They really are are damn the torpedoes full speed ahead uh, in a lot of ways. They're they're really going for it, and uh, you know there have been a few people kind of caution uh, about it. I actually been kind of impressed down here. Uh, Coach Kirby Smart, uh, Georgia had a press conference uh, on Zoom, of course, uh, the other day where he talked about how he's like, listen, we can talk about all these contracts we want, but uh, we're uh, jeopardizing the health of a player. Uh, I'm not sure we should be doing this. Now, uh, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to say, okay, well, then I won't get paid this year. We won't have college football. <laughs> like, I think that there's a little bit of rhetoric involved there. But I do think that you know, they're, uh, they're both aware of the concerns, but also, as we've discussed before, very aware of how important this is to the bottom line of not just the athletic program, but the university. And even in many cases, the state, uh, the finance is involved in this. So they are really going for it. To me, it's been pretty surprising. Um, uh, here, down here, they are actually really openly discussing of having not just uh, starting out maybe with 20,000 fans in the stands, but maybe having even a, a, a full idea. You know, I wrote a piece for New York Magazine, a, a full stadium. I wrote a piece for New York Magazine this week about uh, we all saw the videos of all the guys from the Ozark uh, uh, doing the cool parties of the Ozark and how kind of shocking it was uh, to see that. But like you think that bad, that's bad. Uh, wait till you see tailgaters outside of a Southern college football game. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I interviewed uh, Kelly Gertz, who is the mayor of Athens uh, here. And I asked him, because uh, as, as with the mayor of Champaign, uh, basically in a lot of ways, uh, they kind of have to just follow what the university says, <laughs> just kind of uh, deal, deal with the after effects of it. And, you know, he said uh, for an average SEC game, never minding like a big game, like a Notre Dame or Alabama, for an average SEC game, 30 to 40,000 people come into town who have no intention of going into the, into the game at all. Oh <laughs> like they have no, uh, no idea that they're going to go in. So the, the notion that like, even if you have a game with, with fans and no fans in the stands, 
it's just basically an invitation. Like you, you can stop people from going inside the stadium, but you cannot stop people from being from gathering outside of it. And I think that that's another issue that I think a lot of cities and states have not really thought about that much. And to be fair, this has not been a big problem in Germany yet. Germany soccer, Germany soccer teams, they, they, this was a worry that, that a lot of fans would gather around their stadium. So far, that hasn't happened yet. But I have seen a lot of SEC college football games, and the idea that you're not going to get these people to, to come from all across the state of Georgia and all across the South for these big games, even if there are no fans in the stands or even 20,000 fans in the stands, I think is unrealistic. And I think that's another thing in addition to the health of the players who are not getting paid to, uh, to, to, the, the, all the, to whether even the college itself is going to be open. It is, there are so, so many questions. Uh, still up in the air on it and uh, I think right now they're they're saying full speed ahead if just because to even hint that there might be an issue could maybe make the whole house of cards collapse so they're just going with the idea like it's on it's on it's on and then they'll adjust accordingly as opposed to showing any sort of doubt because right now they listen here in Georgia they say students are going to be back here and we're going to be playing football and hopefully, and, and maybe even with full fans in the stands. We'll see if it turns out that way. Have they done anything at Georgia, or do you see it in the SEC in terms of furloughs? Or I, I saw where Kansas, Bill Self's taking a big cut in his pay. He can, he can afford it. Uh, in fact, I could take his cut and, and get by. But, but uh, <laughs> do you, are you seeing any of that in, um, in, in Georgia? You've seen a, a little bit of it. Nothing major so far. I think Kirby Smart, uh, who is the highest paid state employee in the state of Georgia, like many football coaches are in their state, uh, took a little bit of a uh, uh, has taken a minor for the I think it was for like a month, and it was a small percentage. I don't think that uh, uh, I, I, you haven't seen a lot of it yet. But you know, in a lot of ways, we're still. I mean, I know it feels like this has been going on forever, but we're just starting out here. <laughs> we really are just getting starting out. You know, this is another thing about baseball, frankly, where baseball is actually affecting all sports. I guarantee you the NFL is watch, sitting back and watching to see what happens with baseball, to see if they're able to come back and play. Listen, for all the talk about the NBA coming back, one of the many things that's frustrating about baseball having these financial issues coming back, you can make a pretty strong argument that of, of all those major sports, the one that is safest to play for the athletes in something like in a pandemic like this is probably baseball <laughs> like that's the sport they're playing it in uh, korea they're playing it in in taiwan they're going to be starting in japan soon like they, that it is a game that lends itself more easily towards social distancing and being able to keep everyone in a little bit con uh, in, in an environment that's both contained but also open up to spread around like we talk about the nba they seem to be ready to go they're all going to be in orlando they're gonna, they haven't figured out the format but this is what they're going to try to do it is one thing for a play for a baseball player to in a wide massive stadium where he's able to to spread out and be away to test positive it is another thing for an nba player to test positive in a bubble environment <laughs> and uh, to where it could be spread so quickly so i think that is right now everyone is still acting like everything is fine everything is fine uh what's frustrating i think people are watching baseball to see if they can have success because if baseball comes back they will be the first team sport american team sport to come back if they're able to come back and figure out the financial issues that will either give college sports and the NFL and the NBA more comfort in in, in more in an idea of what works and what doesn't, or it will give them less. <laughs> and so I think that's another thing that base another thing that baseball is really kind of missing right now. I feel like their plan was good. I feel like their health plan made a lot of sense. I think the players were happy with the health plan, but I think they could come to an agreement there. But it's really just still coming down to the money. 
One last thing for Will Leach, The Last Dance. I read with interest your column on that a couple of weeks ago, the Michael Jordan documentary, 10-parter on uh, ESPN. Interesting uh, column. Your thoughts, uh, summarize that for us, what you had to say. And listen, I certainly enjoyed that documentary like everybody else did. I was at, I was in Champaign uh, during that during that time. I, I moved to Los Angeles in the middle of that season. I actually saw that game against the Clippers that's featured in the documentary. So, like, I lived that. I remember in college, you know, no matter what you were doing, everybody watched every Bulls game. Like, that was – it was great to relive that. To me, the, the largest issue with the documentary is it's not only is it told so much through Jordan's eyes, I do think it kind of leads to this kind of myth that – you kind of, you have to be a Jordan type jerk. And I say that out of like respect for Jordan. He's an incredible basketball player. And Michael Jordan would argue that his jerkness was what made him great. The counter argument to that would be, well, you know what? There's actually many, many people that have won many, many championships that were not jerks. People love playing with Larry Bird. People love playing with Michael Magic Johnson. Uh, people love playing with LeBron James. And so I think that the, the, uh, the Jordan myth has always kind of been, he had to be like the moment in the documentary where he breaks down and weeps is all with this idea of, I just wanted to win so bad that I had to be mad to people. I just had no choice. And there's something like self uh, um, forgiving in that and self justifying in that, that I think the documentary encourages in a way that I don't think is correct. I don't think that you actually have to be that kind of a joke. It was really fun to watch Michael Jordan do all of these things and have some of those old stories and, and have all, and relive a lot of those times relive, how big the sport coats they were wearing back then. I had no idea we were all wearing such big sport coats in the 90s. That's a very enjoyable kind of fun thing. I love watching that part. But I will confess, by the end of the documentary, I think I had had enough of Michael Jordan for a while <laughs> and was ready to, uh, to, uh, to move on to something else. It certainly indicated uh, he's the greatest player of all time if you watch his play. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to come to any other conclusion. For me, he is so uh, explosive. I mean... More so than almost any athlete, isn't he? I mean, to watch him, you know, to me, another thing I loved about the, doc, the, the one thing I did like about the documentary, I wish it was explored more. I love the little section where he's in North Carolina. I feel like there's like a little moment where it kind of taught where, where he seems happy and wasn't ready to go into the world yet. And that speaks to the, this, the idea that at one point, he was just a kid who was more talented than anyone else had ever seen. And that, that, that to me, that's, that's the love of Jordan, to watch, to watch him play, to watch the things he's able to do, just to relive again. I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever if you think Jordan's the best player or no, he's not the best player, no player will ever have a best last three plays in an NBA Finals ever again than he did at the end. Like, to be able to – it's remarkable. I watched in real time. I remember I've written about it. But just to watch it again and realize, oh, he just won a championship by himself in three plays. Uh, it's truly, truly remarkable. It's telling that the documentary says, oh, no, nope, he was never with the Wizards. That didn't happen. Don't bring that up. <laughs> Don't discuss that. Uh, I think that's a little telling. It speaks a little bit to the documentary. It's kind of, it's very glorifying of Jordan in kind of every way that it can. But in a lot of ways, Jordan was pretty glorious. So I, I certainly understand why they would take that test. That's Will Leach, everybody. As always, we appreciate you taking time for us, and we hope to do it again soon. I really hope we're talking about some baseball. I do, too. Next time I talk to you guys very much. So be safe, guys. You, too. Will Leach with us from uh, Georgia on Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk 1022. Take a break. We've got a little open line segment if you want to jump in. 3569397. Back with more here on DWS.
moving up on 1025 and all my fellow Saturday sports talk. Now's a good time to give us a call if you like. 356-9397 is the number. We're going to talk some Illinois basketball in just a few minutes with beat writer Scott Ritchie. The basket, we talked a lot, Lauren, about the, the football guys making their way back, but the basketball guys are coming uh, at about the same time, too. Some are Kofi, here. Kofi's already here. Kofi's here. Georgie's been here. Yeah. Some other folks are in the neighborhood, Verdunk. so to speak. So uh, they'll get a chance to uh, to start uh, some uh, workouts and testing and all that goes into this. And uh, there's new ground for for everybody at this point in time. Yeah, I was interested. Paul Shevsky indicated that uh, they will have a couple of days of, I guess you'd call it quarantine, where they're just mm-hmm. uh, after they test and then they'll test again. So they've got a plan. They've got a lot of people put a lot of work into this and. Boy, it's really going to be expensive to all this testing, particularly if they're going to test students when they come back. Wow, what a big job that is. wonder if they're going to have to test uh, guys like you and me and Ed Bond when we go into the stadium. Well, we should test Bond all the time anyway. Well, I think you can say the same thing about you. <laughs> should be tested. Everything on your test come up negative, and I'm not sure that's, that's always <laughs> that's, good. That's, that's, that's right. They, when they checked with Dizzy Dean, when he got hit with that line drive, they checked his head and they said, are you all right? Said, it's negative. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. No problem in there. Nothing in there. Let's go back to the phones. And Jim and Champagne, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah. Uh, Illinois basketball. I'm just thinking back 15 years ago uh, when we played North Carolina for the championship. Mm-hmm. I can name the starting five real easy, and I'm pretty sure Jack Ingram, Warren Carter, Rich McBride, mm-hmm. Nick Smith, and Brian Randall was were, were they all on that team? Brian Randall was redshirting. Okay. And McBride was basically the seventh man. I think yeah. Ing- Ingram would have been the sixth man. Yep. And McBride was right there with him. And Warren Carter played. He he got some minutes. Okay, so that's ten of that were on that team. I do you know of any other players that were on that team plus? Any of the five that I named, did did they go on to, you know, play semi-pro or pro uh, basketball? Oh, gee. Warren Carter played in Europe somewhere overseas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, McBride, I'm not sure what he did right out of the gate. Um, About Nick Smith. Did he play any? Don't know. No, I I remember him being back in Florida right shortly after that, but I don't know directly. I, I just know that's where he was. I'd like to say I think Jack Ingram tested it out and played somewhere. We could look it up maybe if we get a little time, but uh, off the top of my head, I kind of lost track of those guys. Well, it's just it's 15 years, and I'm thinking I I was amazed that I could remember five guys that uh, sat on the bench, and you know the starting five uh, didn't leave a lot of playing time left for for those guys, but uh, I think they really really helped us get to that final stage, the, the championship game. But uh, anyway, I was just curious. I just thought about them, and I was trying to think. I'm sure there's probably a couple other players that uh, I I don't remember who they were that played on that team. But uh, maybe if you if you guys can remember uh, and just mention that in the remaining time on the broadcast. Okay, Jim, we appreciate the call. All right, thanks. Let's uh, move along to uh, Charlie calling from Catlin. Hey, Charlie. Yes, sir. Oh, I really enjoyed Will Leach, and I hadn't thought about the 
people outside the stands and, and how much difference that would make because, you know, they would have to almost call a, a schedule off if they couldn't control all the tailgaters and stuff, I think. Well, I, I, but, don't, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think that you're going to – they're go- I, I was out driving around last night. I went by Billy Baru's, and, boy, they were all over the place there yes. at that restaurant. I mean, they were outside, but it was yes. it was packed. And uh, I just don't – I don't think that's going to stop them. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I, until something breaks, you know, I mean, right now, I mean, all, I mean, they had one person test positive down in Arkansas or something, but – if all of a sudden 300 people come up next week in Arkansas that were at that party, that will change thinking a lot. You're right. But what I'm thinking is, okay, we're concerned about testing all of our athletes and stuff, but we play another team every week, mm-hmm. and they have to be doing the same thing. Let's say we're going to play Rutgers, and three days before the game, they have somebody test positive. Won't that call off the game? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. They just—I don't well, know. They're, they're going to—they're going to have a a plan for guys testing yeah. positive. They have to have that plan because it will happen. I don't know where right. it'll happen, but somebody across the country is going to test positive on a team. That, well, if you take like the Illinois team, I mean, we've got somewhere around a hundred players if you count the walk-ons and everything. You've got twenty-five coaches. You've got trainers. You've got so. Between the two teams, you're talking close to 300 people right. that are in close contact. Right. So, it, I mean, just the percentages tell you that one out of 300 is not going to be unusual to test. That's right. I, I, it just looks like, I mean, I'm, I'm all for having a season, but, you know, I can't see that somewhere in the next you know, say Bowling Green has somebody test positive two days before our game or something. Um, That's a real interesting, interesting yeah. question. I, we've not seen any uh, of the details on that no, yet. No, your and, point's really good. And I what mean, it would take it's, to it's, uh, cancel a game. You're, yeah, you're on a tightrope. Yeah. I mean, you're really a tightrope. Yes. Yes. It, until they, I, to me, until they come up with a vaccine or a therapy or something, I... Boy, it just looks like this is a, a crapshoot all the way to me. It hey. is that. It is oh. that. Charlie, we appreciate the call. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh-huh. Get another call in here before the break. Alan with us. Go ahead, Alan. Yeah, the previous guy pretty much stole a lot of my thunder. Um, are they going to have to test them every practice, coming and going, or just coming? I don't know how often they're going to test. I'm t- I'm hearing like twice a week for players, but I don't know. I mean, I, you're asking something that's going to be determined as they go along. I mean, and and you're well, gonna, and the reaction to a positive test is going to be a, you know, I don't know what's going to happen then. I, yeah, they got to have a plan in place for that because, like you say, it it's going to happen somewhere, if not everywhere, uh, somewhere along the line during the season. Now they talk about testing the students, actual uh, campus students. What happens when they leave for the weekend, go to Chicago, and then come back? Have, How's that going to work? How's that going to work? You're asking a good question. I can't answer it. Steve, what do you think? <laughs> I know I, I mean, can't that, answer. That's going to happen. I'm not I mean, sure anybody can answer it right now. They're they're working obviously with with uh, way smarter people than we are in the one, field. There's one reason people. why there's school after school 
is announcing they're not coming back after Thanksgiving. And the reason they're not coming back for two or three weeks after Thanksgiving is because they know everybody's going to be visiting, and when they come back, they can't control it. I think that's right. I think that's why they're calling off those couple of weeks of school. Well, they even uh, Dr. Fauci even said this week he's not entirely sure that there's going to be a spike. But there again, he's one of those like everybody else doesn't really know for sure. Not sure there's anybody out there that knows for, for sure. sure. For sure, we could plan for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and, and uh, baseball situation. I don't think it's going to happen because uh, they can't get past the money part and they just don't really care about anything else. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah, sometimes I think maybe that would be the best case scenario, just not have it at all. But on the other hand, I go back to, to wanting some baseball and and the country really needs something like that, I think. Although it's hard to even think about that now when you look at what's going on in the last couple of days across the country and Minneapolis, Atlanta, St. Louis, some of those places. It's it's just hard to, to even concentrate on that. Alan, we appreciate the call, buddy. Go ahead. Thanks. 1033, we'll take a break. We'll be back with more. We'll keep the phone lines open if you want to join us. Scott Ritchie will join us as well to talk some Illinois basketball. Back after this. Ten thirty-six, and this is Illinois Pellas Saturday Sports Talk, WDWS, Champaign Urbana with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're chugging along till eleven o'clock on a beautiful Saturday morning. Let's uh, talk some Illinois basketball now. Scott Ritchie is up at Adam this morning. How you doing, Scott? I'm good, and you know I am up in Adam on okay. a Saturday morning. Well, you know where you need to be. You know where I would tell you you need to be on a Saturday morning like this. Uh, I believe that would be the golf course. That would be the golf course. And uh, maybe you get a chance to get out there. The driving ranges are now open, so people that are not uh, quite ready to play, they can go fine-tune the game out there, Mr. Tate. Is that what I was doing? <laughs> fine-tuning? <laughs> I don't know if it's fine-tuning. <laughs> no. By the way, I would say I'd fall under the not ready to play category. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, that's okay. I, I need you, some work. Well, some work never hurt. They had uh, yesterday was the first day of foursomes back across the state, uh, at least legally. <laughs> but uh, at uh, Savoy, where twosomes had been the uh, the operating call for the uh, month of May up until yesterday, they had 260 players yesterday playing the orange and blue. So. That was good to see foursomes and some tables outside where people can sit around and uh, have a post-match uh, soft drink or beer or whatever, but it was good to see. Scott, let's talk some basketball. We talked earlier about uh, the football players uh, making their way back. Basketball players will be doing the same as well, and uh, we don't know what their sessions will look like once they get back, but uh, what have you learned in uh, talking to your sources this week about getting everybody back? Well, it's going to be a little different uh, for basketball, at least uh, to start the summer, than you know, I'd say it would be in a, a typical year because this was what, a couple of years ago where the NCAA changed its rules where you know, the eight hours per week could be um, split up a little differently. Um, used to be it was, you know, strength and conditioning coaches you know, were the only ones that could use that time, but for basketball, uh, 
the coaching staff actually got some time on the court with the players. Uh, for June, at least, uh, it's going to kind of revert back to the old ways where for basketball, you know, Adam Fletcher will kind of you know be the guy. Yeah, as far as you know, the one interacting with the players and you know putting them through their workouts um, once they come back, and it'll be a little easier than football because it's not going to be 85 or however many guys they're trying to squeeze into you know a day's worth of workouts in very small groups. In basketball, obviously, as a smaller roster, so not as quite as many challenges. Um, I think the, the one thing will be you know, there's just, players are going to have to either figure out time to shoot by themselves or, you know, just kind of be ready not to have a basketball in their hand all that much, at least for the, the first month of this. Well, Kofi put his name in, uh, you know, for the NBA draft, and uh, he's here and, and apparently going to be working out with the team. Is it, Do you understand that to be the case? Yeah, I mean, he's been back, um, I, I want to say, a, about a week, I suppose. Now, what about Io? Do you expect him to come back? Or, I mean, in the meantime, you know, we know he's uh, basically mentally committed to the NBA, but uh, is there any chance that he would come back and work out here? Or what What, what do you think is going to happen with Io? I mean, that's a good question because I think, you know, coming back and working out with the team is I mean, it's not, you know, you know, locking anyone in, Kofi or Io, to, you know, a decision, but there's intent behind that a little bit. And, you know, IO is someone that kind of understands the whole process and, you know, optics. And I'm curious to see what his decision will be. I'm not sure. And I'm not sure that anyone really knows quite for certain uh, what what he might do. But, you know, he, when we spoke with him, oh gosh, I mean, I've lost all track of like when these things actually happen, but after he was named the, the Dyke Edelman Award winner. You know, he said that he had managed to find a gym in Chicago where he could mm-hmm. get shots up and do some basketball-related activities. So, you know, that that had been something he hadn't done early in this whole you know, situation. So he's got what he needs in Chicago, but um, it'll, I'll be curious to see if he if he does come back in the coming. Let's say in the month of June, will the players be able to come in and at least shoot baskets in Ubin? I think as long as it's just them, I don't think they can have any any other the teammates in there with them. So I mean, I don't know if they have to work out a schedule amongst themselves about who's going to be shooting when. Um, but you know, something that, that Josh Whitman said was, you know, they're still trying to you know put that part of the plan in place, how they're going to handle equipment like basketballs and footballs, and making sure that um, there's not a lot of crossover between players so maybe everyone gets their own ball and you don't use anybody else's um, but they're not jumping right back into to five on five basketball that, that's going to be a little further down the road talking uh, basketball with scott ritchie the transfer portal last time i checked was well over 800 players of course uh, brad underwood and every other coach is keeping an eye on that but uh, a lot of coaches including maybe even more so including Brad Underwood, are kind of uh, hamstrung at the moment on uh, what to do uh, regarding roster with the uh, indefinite situation of uh, Kofi and uh, to a, maybe a smaller extent, Io. Yeah, I mean, Illinois does have one open scholarship currently, so you know, there's, they've been kind of working under that premise at least a little bit, and you've seen that in their pursuit of several players in the portal. 
Uh, most of which, you know, to this point, have have chosen you know a different destination. But there's still a few targets out there, um, including you know Justin Smith, uh, who just now she was leaving Indiana um, just in the last week or so. Um, but the fact that the NCAA changed their early entrant decision deadline for the NBA draft from June 3rd, which is next Wednesday, to uh, you know an indefinite postponement of, of that deadline. And there's a lot of college coaches that have no idea what their roster is going to look like, you know, for the the 2020-2021 season, and you know, mostly it's kind of their top players that they're not quite sure, you know, will be back or not. So. I, I, I talked with Brad Underwood last. I mean, he sort of understands that there's nothing he can do about that. So you know, they're still helping Io and Kofi kind of gather as much information about the draft as possible. But, I mean, there's not you – know, until the NBA actually returns, which is, I guess, the latest is I think July 31st might be their, their return date um, unless things change, which they've done several times. Until that happens, then they can't set – the end of the season and can't set when the lottery will be or the combine if they have one or even when the draft is. So uh, college programs are going to be left in limbo. Well, you know, Scott, they're in indeterminate time. They're in double limbo because of those 815 or so uh, people in the portal and way over half, way over half, maybe two thirds may not have eligibility. I mean, they're all going to seek through waivers uh, to try to get eligibility. I imagine a lot of them will, but a lot of coaches are sitting on a situation right now where they thought when this, uh, several months ago, they thought it was that rule would go through where their players would be immediately eligible if they, on transfer. And that's been put off for a year. So now you've got a whole ton of people that really don't know exactly what they got. And I'm, I'm always interested in hearing all the the uh, the writers that are picking the teams for next year, the top 25 and all this, when they don't know who's going to come back from the draft and they don't know who's going to be eligible coming out of the portal. It seems to me like it's just there's no chance. We don't really know anything, do we? No, um, which hasn't stopped <laughs> those writers from putting out top 25 and hasn't stopped me from doing <laughs> uh, the same because, you know, yeah, speculation is, you know, part of the fun, I suppose. But um, I just go into it knowing I'm probably going to be wrong. But based on the information I have at hand, this is what I think. So sure. uh, when I when I know going in that I'm not going to be right, that, that it takes some of the pressure off. But, yeah, and I think you know, a lot of those transfers, the 800-plus, went in the portal a couple months ago also thinking that they were going to get immediate eligibility. And, it, I mean – there's probably a little uh, transfers remorse there, yeah, in some instances, I would guess, because that's not going to happen. And you know, the, the waiver system as it currently is, I mean, who knows who gets one and who doesn't. I mean, there's, I've yet to figure out any type of criteria that the NCAA actually uses. So, yeah, the, the, this next basketball season, uh, <laughs> I mean, just who knows? You know, beyond the, the whole pandemic thing, it's like, I have no clear grasp on what it might actually look like. You mentioned um, Justin Smith from Indiana. What do you think uh, the chances are? How about this? What do you think the interest level is for Illinois on him? He's an Illinois native. His parents, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, are both graduates of the U of I. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure both are. And then his dad ran track. 
at Illinois, um, at least some. And he knows the campus. He was a, a target way back in the John Gross era, and then obviously he's played um, at State Farm Center several times, you know, with with the Hoosiers. So some of the, the obstacles a lot of transfers face, he doesn't because it, he's not walking into a situation, you know, that's basically an unknown. Um, Position-wise, I mean, Illinois has shown that they're kind of going after, you know, that that wing spot to add some depth and you know that's you know a case where you know, they've got a couple guys that'll be eligible this coming season and Austin Hutcherson and Jacob Grandison but they also lost two wings Alan Griffin and Tevian Jones so well depth has sort of been a priority and he's an elite athlete and you know he's been consistent if maybe not super productive at Indiana just my one concern is he has not shot the ball well uh, in the last three years, and if Illinois needs anything, it's shooting. So I, that might be the one roadblock, and at least in my opinion. Now, Scott Ritchie, beat writer for the News Gazette, works football and basketball. We appreciate it, buddy. And if you go to the driving range, tee it high and let it fly. <laughs> Swing hard in case you uh, hit it. It's gonna be, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a uh, – that first session is going to be a grind because it's been a while since I've had a club in my hands. All right, we appreciate your time. Thanks. Right, thanks, guys. You bet. Scott Ritchie with the News Gazette. We'll take a quick break and have an open line the rest of the way if you'd like to join us back after this. Got about 10 minutes left. If you'd like to get in, 356-9397 on uh, the latest edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, a reminder again that the, the Pella Window Store beginning Monday, June 1, will be back open. The showroom will be open. They've been working with customers throughout the, the last couple of months, but the showroom will be open. You can go in and see the product, ask some questions, or if you feel more comfortable making an appointment, they will do that for you as well. Again, 356-9397 if you'd like to check in. Back to the, I looked up the, um, the roster of the... Um, 2004-2005 team. Here are the top eight or ten players. Head, this is in the uh, order of scoring leaders. Okay. okay. Head, Brown. That's really balanced, wasn't it? It was. It was 16, 13, 13, 12, 10 in the starting lineup. Uh, Luther Head, D. Brown, Darren Williams, of course, and James Augustine. And then you had Jack Ingram, Nick Smith, Rich McBride, Warren Carter, and Sean Pruitt. Had a text that said uh, Calvin Brock was on the team. If he was, he was redshirting, and he was not in the team picture, but he is in the stats for the next season. So he was, if not here, he was certainly on the way. So um, pretty good uh, roster there that uh, had a great season and certainly fun memories. Let's go back to the phones. Our friend uh, Marty in uh, North Carolina down at Pinehurst is with us. Hey, Marty. You could tee it high and let it fly here today, Steve, if you'd like to. Probably do that about every day of the year, can't you? There you go. Yes, pretty much. Um, I thought I had listened to everybody debate baseball, and I haven't read up on this, but maybe you two, one of you two might know. Since this is a partial season and an odd situation, are the deals they're talking about, the financial breakdown, et cetera, um, 
does that mean it's a one-time deal and that people that have multi-year contracts, uh, they just bump back a year? In other words, if you've got five years left in your contract, this year doesn't count. It's going to be five years after this uh, because that would tend to make a little difference to me if I was a player on a more positive manner. Do you know how they're talking about that? I think this year counts. I'm not sure. I think this year, if you had a five-year contract, this would be one of those years. I don't know what will happen if they don't play. Now, that's a whole other story. But I think if they play, I think that I think I read that, but I'm not 100% positive. Hmm. Yeah, I I hadn't heard, and I, I wondered about that too, because it wouldn't seem fair to count it as a year from a partial year point of view contract-wise. Well, if they play half a year, I, I don't know. I think that that would probably count. They've got the decisions. Well, to, it might for years of service. I'm talking, you know, for when a guy can become a free agent. But I'm talking about if you've got a contract already on the books, if you're a Max Scherzer and you've got three years left, wouldn't one of the negotiating points be this year we're going to give 50% salary, you guys will divide it up, but your three years you've got left go – in 2021, 22, 23. So you're not going to lose any money. Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering how Well, it's certainly uh, being negotiated. <laughs> you ask yeah. if, you ask if they're being negotiated. Everything's being negotiated. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because those would be big differences. Yeah. I would think. Okay. Anything else exciting going on up there, guys? Well, do you think you're going to see baseball this year? Well, being blind, I won't see it, but I'll hear it, Steve. <laughs> But uh, I, I sure hope so because this is it would be good for the country. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of, of players, as we both say, billionaires and millionaires. Do something for the good of the country because right now we need something good. That's the way I look at it. And it's a great opportunity to get out there first and make the country feel good and make people feel good about baseball because next year as they start getting into collective bargaining agreement, I don't think it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, Marty, always good to hear from you. All right. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. 10.55 is the time. We had a caller off the air wondering about the transfer, Purdue transfer, Nogel Eastern, who's going to Michigan, whether he would be immediately eligible. He would. He'd be a graduate student. Yeah. Same uh, with Matt Harms. Yeah, all the, all the seniors uh, who have graduated are immediately eligible. And of that 815 number, the number of seniors, I think, is less than 200. It's in the hundreds. It's a high in the hundreds, and uh, I, you know, so those guys all would be immediately eligible. And I did see where another a player was declared eligible just this week uh, through the, via the waiver. So the, the waiver thing will now continue just as it has in the past, and they'll evaluate whether somebody deserves to be immediately eligible or not. Do they want? <laughs> and uh, don't ask me the rules. Do I, they want to take all that time to look at all those cases? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're going to – yeah. I know, do. but uh, I don't think anybody wants to do that. Uh, no. Talk about well, the NCAA. <laughs> no. Don't they have other things they could be focusing on? You would uh, think so. 10.56. Need to take one final break. We'll do that and be back with some final words here on DWS. Stay right with us. Two minutes before 11 o'clock. Lon Ipella's Saturday Sports Talk. Coming up on uh, Monday, we'll have Monday night's sports talk again with the sports writers. We took 
Memorial Day off uh, last week, so we'll be back, the three of us in the studio, and then uh, Bob Osmussen on the line as well, coming up Monday night from 5 to 6, right here on News Talk 1400. Covered a lot of ground this morning, a lot of guests. Yeah, one thing we didn't mention, and I'll just throw it in here real quick, the Power 5 schools, which includes the Big Ten, uh, are seeking congressional legislation for the name, image, likeness thing to set a national standard and that will ward off all these um, state level laws that they're trying to implement. In other words, what, if you have a whole bunch of states that all have different laws, it ain't gonna work. So what the, they need to get a national decision on it, and, and the, I don't know if Congress can agree on anything, but they surely can agree on that. That's gonna do it, Mr. Tate, thank you, sir. Thanks right. to our guests, Eddie Johnson, Alex Palczewski, Martin O'Donnell, Will Leach and Scott Ritchie. On a personal note, I'd like to welcome the newest member to our family, to the world. Gramps. Georgia and I had our first, had the blessing of being blessed with our first grandchild. His name is Hudson. Our son Patrick and his wife Lauren up in Michigan brought Hudson into the world early Tuesday morning. Now he's not Way listening. Way to go, Stevie. I, he's doing one of three things right now, Hudson is, eating, sleeping, or... Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you real soon on WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Have a good weekend.